Hi, welcome to MedTech for Beginners, the place to come if you want to know more about how to bring new health and care innovations into the UK market. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of MedTech for Beginners. My name is Kate Pym, Managing Director of PIMS Consultancy and today I am joined by Chris Anderson who is Recruitment Operations Manager at Evolve. Welcome Chris. Hi Kate, thanks for having me here, nice to be here. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and explain a bit about Evolve and what you do? Yeah, sure. No problem. Evolve, for people who haven't heard of us, we're, we're a talent lifecycle business operating within the uh, the med tech and pharmaceutical and healthcare marketplace. What does that mean, I guess, a lot of people will be thinking. So we, we basically provide specialist recruitment, outsourcing and employer branding services, which is very specialist within the, the med tech, pharma and healthcare sector. Personally, I've been with the business since since we started out, set the business up in 2007 with my co-director, Andy. And my background, I came from a mainly recruitment background, actually. And prior to that, I worked uh, personally worked within the pharmaceutical industry, which is where I met Kate, really, from, uh, from a number of years ago. We're pretty niche within our sector, but uh, yeah, we, we do a lot of work specializing with pharma and med tech startups across the UK. Fantastic. Thank you for that. I I think just to uh, start this conversation and and put uh, the basis of the conversation out to the listeners, the reason that I asked Chris to join me today is that there comes a point in any journey when you're successful with your med tech innovation, where you're thinking, well, Maybe if they're working with me, they've got one person working in sales who's part-time. If they're not, they could be doing the sales themselves. And at some point, you have to think, well, this is selling. This is getting a foothold. People are interested, but one part-time person, and if it's you, believe me, you're part-time on sales. So one part-time person is never enough to actually make the spread that you really need to actually get out there. And, th- and those of you that are looking for a multi-million pound company, that's not going to happen unless you expand your sales team. Um, so you can have the best product in the world, but if nobody buys it, you're not a success. So there's a point in your journey where you have to start thinking, how do I bring in extra people into my sales team? And this is not an exercise in advertising on behalf of Chris. This is about talking about the journey itself and when you need to start preparing for that, in what ways you need to start preparing, the things you need to think about. So First and foremost, I think there are several different ways of going about making sales. And some people use distributors. And from the point of view of using distributors, I I always describe distributors as a catalog. They have a catalog of things that they're selling, all of which provide them with revenue. And particularly if you give them an exclusive deal, Basically, you're handing over all your future to those distributors in the hope that your one item or two items in their catalogue are more exciting to their sales team than anything else, which is unlikely, let's be honest. Then there are other ways of going about this. You can employ people as headcount, as we used to say it back in my day, and you can also look at outsourcing your sales. And as some people who are as long in the tooth as me would say contract sales team. So at this point, I will hand over to Chris and let him explain the differences between the different ways that you can recruit and 
also the flexibility you can get within it. Yeah, thanks, Kate. So, yeah, I think I think you you've just given it a really good kind of uh, synopsis, I guess, in terms of what I spend a lot of my time doing, really talking to different clients about how they can essentially boost their sales. And you know, obviously, many of the clients that we we do work with are fairly new to market. A lot of them are more established as well. But the outsourcing model is absolutely can be used as a really flexible solution across many different channels, I suppose. But I guess starting out from talking about your first point around taking people onto your own headcount, the reticence to do that sometimes is is very much around the, obviously, the cost to do that, the risk factors involved, the lack of flexibility that you may have if you have got a headcount team, Perhaps you, you know, you, you're kind of reaching a point where you're thinking about increasing and scaling your, your sales resource and other roles within the business. I might add around regulatory, marketing, and medical as well. You may be getting to a point where essentially you, you're kind of struggling for that extra resource and taking a leap to recruit permanent headcount staff onto your own books is a, is a big leap of faith really and often we find a lot of companies struggle to get the licensing agreements that they need for for the products that they that they've got coming up so they sometimes need to move faster than they thought they may need to so i guess the the permanent recruitment model as per se that you know is typically used within as Kate and I would know within pharmaceuticals and also medtech it's probably a a less flexible model. Obviously, the perception of permanent recruitment versus outsourcing is that it probably costs less, which I don't think is strictly true. And we'll talk about that in a, in a little bit more depth as we go through the conversation. And I guess the, the risk is possibly higher because, you know, there's so many variables when you're starting a medtech organization that you've got to take into account. And you know, we often talk to clients who have who have kind of built teams around, I guess, the potential of a product reaching the market and actually it never does. So they, they just end up having to make redundancies and, and, and lay people off, which obviously isn't something that you want to be having as much as anything the hassle of doing. The permanent recruitment model, it, it works in certain instances, but I think for startup medtech organizations, personally, I believe that an outsourced model is a, is a more flexible, scalable solution that takes away the kind of workload that you have within your business in having to build the team, outsourcing it to a team of specialists that really know what they're talking about, understand the market that you're looking to sell into, and also allows you to focus on core elements of your business that that you need to be focusing on as opposed to worrying about building and, and potentially managing a sales team. That kind of gives you an overview of, of the two types of model versus each other. And I think the the main reason that a lot of organizations in medtech choose to go down that route is definitely scalability, flexibility, and also speed to market on the outsource model. Outsourcing allows companies to to enter a market quickly. Working with an organization like Evolve that, you know, have got established networks, relationships within our market and enabling to them to move quickly in the recruitment process to get uh, boots on the ground quickly is another added benefit when when you've got to be you've got to be sharp you've got to be competitive and obviously you know you, you might need to move really quickly to to get those people out there promoting a product they're the main benefits of contracting versus perm i suppose 
And and could you just describe for those that don't know what a contracted sales team looks like? Could you just describe what you mean by that and what, what numbers are you talking about? Are you talking and and how would they be managed? I think for people that have never had a sales team of any sort before and possibly never recruited anybody before, just to understand what you're talking about here and how it would work. Yeah, so contract sales teams or outsource sales teams, many, many different descriptions of what they are, but essentially it's where you are working with a company who employs and operates sales professionals on your behalf. So everything to do with their operational day-to-day pastoral care is dealt with for you and that would include everything to do with the recruitment onboarding process setup of their salaries their their benefits packages their cars their pensions their health care the recruitment fees everything is is kind of handed to you on a plate as an all-inclusive package from a day-to-day perspective once the people come on board to you know to to work for you they would be operationally managed potentially by the clients if if that's what they prefer but also if the client prefers not to get involved with the day-to-day sales management of those individuals, no matter how many people it would be, they can actually outsource the management of that as well. It's an end-to-end model which which fulfills right from the, the, the point of recruitment through to onboarding and beyond. Fantastic. Thank you. Now, as you know, uh, as well as I do, when you're working in med tech with new businesses, small businesses, and one of the main reasons that they are down to selling it themselves or having somebody part time that they know or or something like this is budgets. And I, I just want to be really realistic here with the listeners. Putting a sales team in place is not cheap. It doesn't matter which way you go about it. It will not be cheap. At what point do they need to start anticipating the cost? And also, what sort of cost are they needing to anticipate? So let's be start start people being realistic about these things. They're not just going to put something out at uh, Job Center Plus and, and find someone that's going to be able to sell a complex implanted medical device, for example. So how much should they anticipate in costs? And at what point do they need to start engaging with companies such as yourselves to actually decide what structure they're looking for and how they want to move forward. If I can address the the sort of second point first, I think the the point that most organizations start looking to plan their sales resource is when when things are sort of moving to a point where their product's nearing license and sign off in regards to regulatory licensing, etc. within whatever market they're looking to sell into. So certainly a few months before that happens, mo- most organizations will start looking at, you know, what they think they may need. And we, we get approached at that point by, you know, most organizations saying, okay, this is what we're looking to do. This is the, the market that we're looking to enter. And that's when we can start helping them kind of, you know, plan it, plan ahead and really looking at the complexity of the market they're looking at selling into, Kate. I think that's quite an important thing to consider because, you know, the, the, the people that you bring into your organization, wh- whether that be on a permanent basis or a, on an outsourced basis, is the important factor to to take into consideration. And that that is where working with a specialist company who know markets and know, know the types of individuals and the talent pools that are out there within those particular markets, 
really, really comes into fruition because, you know, if, if you're selling, as you mentioned, an implantable device, the likelihood is that you're going to need fairly complex clinical sales teams who maybe got established relationships within that sector. And on the other end of the scale, I guess, you know, you, you also may have of companies with products that are far less complex and, and potentially you could look at less experienced or graduate sales teams even to to promote those so i guess that's that's the first consideration that we always take into account so if if an organization isn't aware of the complexities that they may face when selling into the market they're looking to do so then obviously we can help them and advise them on the types of people that they will need to do that so but yeah typically that that is at that point a few months before they know that their license is going to come out there so that they can proactively promote that product i was just going to say i mean when we're talking about complexity you can have something that's a very simple product to describe and therefore you'd think it's a simple product to sell but the complexity comes in in the number of stakeholders that could be involved, the length of time that you have to take from initial sales to actually getting money into the bank, the number of different groups and committees that you have to interact with and all of the internal sign-offs you need to get through. So even though you might say, oh, this is really straightforward and really simple, we should be able to find someone that's a graduate that can sell this because it's really simple. It takes five minutes to describe it. You can do it on an elevator pitch. Yeah. That sometimes it's not, it, it's not, that's the, not the point. The point is the navigation. And other times you can have something that's really quite complex, but it's very close to something that's already out there. So people have already got it. You've got a shorthand to get to that point. Yeah. And therefore, because there is a shorthand to get to that point and the processes are already in place, all you're actually doing is saying, well, we've got something, it's very similar to that, but it's cheaper. Yeah. You don't actually need a complex cell to get there. No, absolutely. Yeah, and I, and I think also the, the time that it takes for certain products to get the right key opinion leaders within the market to, to release fundings is often, is, is often far longer than people anticipate. And the more complex a market is to sell into, typically the the longer it takes to find the right people to sell into that market. So I think that's one of the main considerations. You know, obviously we we work with consultancies like yourself, Kate, who have kind of helped people map out the market that they're selling into, where where our expertise comes in is finding them the right people to fulfill that need. So yeah, I think time wise, the more complex the market, typically the smaller the talent pool, therefore the longer time it takes to to recruit those people. So that that's one consideration. Then on from that, I guess cost wise, taking into account budgets, etc., that people need to start thinking about. It again, it depends on the salary levels that the people are on. And again, the more complex, typically the higher salaries. But to give you some idea of of costings, how contract sales and outsourcing is charged is typically on a, on a day rate basis. Okay, so people want to think about it on, on a day rate basis. That's probably the easiest way to look at this. And on a thirty five k person, to give to give some idea, over a twelve month contract, you're probably looking around sort of sixty five thousand as a figure to plan ahead for per representative. However, that includes absolutely everything that is involved with 
operating, running, and putting that person on the ground selling that product. So when when you compare that to, I guess, taking people onto headcount, you often get people recoiling, going, "Wow, that's expensive." But Actually, when you take into account the cost of running vehicles, operating vehicles, recruitment costs even to, to take people onto permanent recruitment on a headcount basis, you know, that, that can be sort of typically 20% of basic salary fees, well as that administration costs, HR costs, legal costs, accountancy costs, and then all of the ongoing operational costs and back office support that those representatives need for expenses management and that kind of stuff. When all of that is taken into account and the amount of resource that organizations can save rather than taking people onto their own books to run those sales representatives, it it actually works out really cost efficient and effective. And that's kind of what we try and help people to understand. So we've got a really clear model that basically said, right, this is what you're getting for your money. And this is what it would cost you to recruit permanently onto headcount. And And the comparison is four to five thousand pounds different typically however that is including one permanent recruitment cost if that person then who you've taken onto a headcount role with your business happens to leave after three or six months time you're then recruiting again onto a permanent headcount and that's another recruitment fee so that difference in between contracting and permanent recruitment actually becomes negligible and it probably works out even more cost effective to put people on an outsourced basis. Yeah, I think that's fairly clear. And I think there was one more thing that you mentioned earlier, which I thought was quite interesting, which is how you help new startups and those that are entering the UK with their employer branding. Because recruitment and retention is something, I run some peer networks, recruitment and retention is always, always something that is raised by (laughs) business leaders as a key issue. So what can you do in that space to help? Yeah, so employer branding is something that we've started doing a lot more work on over the last sort of two or three years. The reason behind it, so just to explain what employer branding is for people who aren't aware of it, it's essentially being proactive about how you make your business or organization attractive to job seekers okay so the recruitment market as a whole is massively competitive across pretty much every industry at the moment and the 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 talent pool that people are fighting for are only getting smaller and smaller so basically making your organization unique making it stand out within a competitive marketplace especially if you're a startup organization is often pretty tough so the ones who we find are more more successful are the ones that take their employer brand into account quite early on as opposed to trying to do some recruitment trying to win some heads trying to get some people on board and then a few months or years later they're then looking at their employer brand actually the ones that are more successful and where we've kind of done a lot of work with with med tech companies is helping them to to manage their employer brand and, and manage their what's called their EVP or their employer value proposition which they can offer to somebody who's coming to work for their company and more importantly how they can then roll that out on a continual basis both internally and externally to both existing and potential employees to make sure that they retain people within the companies once they've got the great people on board it's all well and good attracting them giving them loads of information about what what's on offer to them in terms of you know the company's mission their vision their culture the benefits uh, compensation 
career development opportunities. That's all well and good. But if, if that isn't delivered on an ongoing basis as the people come into the organization, then the retention figures and the attrition obviously increases. And what we work with companies to do is, is, is manage that process of attracting great people, recruiting great people, and then retaining great people within companies. Fantastic. Thank you. So just as a final sort of wrap up for those that are listening, what we've been talking about here is, is when you're ready to take on that sales team. So one person, just, just bear this in mind, we're talking one person, and that's not absolutely top of the field salesperson. You're talking budgeting for £60,000 a year. Now, if you want to realistically cover the UK, that's a tough stretch on three people. Yeah. Quite often you're looking at five or six and the larger companies where you've got a product where you're wanting to sell multiple products into multiple different parts of the health sector across the UK, lots of different organizations, you'll probably have to have more than that. So just bear that in mind before you start thinking, ah, now's the time to get the sales team. I think sometimes you need to say, is now the time to actually go for an investment round? Because realistically, starting that journey on starting the sales and and thinking about how long is it going to be that I'm going to be paying this money out before these sales representatives are going to be generating the revenue back. Yeah. Now, when I was in sales, oh, well, I'm still in sales, obviously, but when I was in sales as part of a team and I went into a new team where there had been somebody on patch before, but maybe the patch had been empty for a little while or they hadn't been that successful and that's why they left. It's going to take me as a successful and experienced salesperson a minimum of three months to actually generate additional revenue onto that patch seeing me, considering what I'm talking about, thinking they're going to make a decision about it, taking action, seeing me again, reviewing that action and so on and so forth. That's going to take at least three months for an established product that's already on formularies or already in a hospital where they're going to use more of it because they've been talking to an experienced rep. Now, when you're starting from scratch, You've got a brand new product that nobody's heard of, and it might even be a brand new value proposition in a field that they've never heard of. Expecting that those people are going to generate revenue for you in any time at all. I mean, any revenue, not a return on investment, not more than they're costing you is going to be a minimum, an absolute minimum of six months. And in some cases, you're looking at nine or 12 months. So, I'm just saying, be realistic about this. Be realistic about the amount of money that you need behind you to make that investment. Because the other thing, as a salesperson and person that's been director of sales and so forth in small companies, to then say, well, if we do this and tweak that, then we're going to make those sales quicker and we're going to generate a higher level of revenue. And you make those promises to your investors that are unsustainable and unachievable, then all you're going to do is lose your salesperson and your sales director because they're not going to stay in an unrealistic position. So don't set yourself up to fail by making something that is unachievable right from the start. Be realistic. Say, I need to invest in this. I need to invest a lot of money. I need to have the funds behind me to make that investment. And 
that as long as you have got a strong enough proposition for investors to want to fund it, great. If not, maybe you can scale back on your ideas, but don't overpromise on your sales projections to an extent where it's unachievable because that's not good for anybody in the no. long run. It's a really good point, actually. And, you know, we, we've done work uh, fairly recently, actually, with a couple of venture-backed organisations who are obviously really demanding. They want their returns as soon as they can possibly get them. And yeah, you, you're quite right. You've got to be so realistic about how long it takes for that sort of sales process to start working. I totally agree. It's, it's definitely a minimum of six months. And that's why the the outsourcing model of sort of, I guess it's um easiest way to describe it in terms of new startups is certainly, a, it's, it's a try before you buy option for you which is great when when you need that flexibility and and that scalability because you know you're quite right something might not work out as planned unfortunately that that's the way it is when you when you're starting a business stuff doesn't work out as planned and having that option to potentially switch on and switch off as harsh as that sounds to the people but that fluctuating market conditions fluctuating demand and 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 need for those sales professionals that you've taken on it can happen and without a doubt the the outsourcing model is a lot more flexible and gives you that kind of uh, a bit of a get out if you if you're considering you know hiring people um and and slightly reduces the risk i guess rather than taking people onto your onto your books where the then you if if that fluctuation happens and it doesn't quite work as you want it to you you're stuck with the problem of sorting that out yourself yeah so as we draw to a close on this session if anybody wants to get hold of you chris how can they contact you they can uh, call me directly on the office line uh, which is on our website which is evolveselection.com or you can email me directly which is chris.anderson at evolveselection.com i'd be more than happy to hear from anybody who who'd just like some more information on on how we can help them really and i'm also on linkedin so any of those any of those routes really kate Thanks very much. So just to say goodbye to everybody, thank you for listening. If you need to contact me or PIMS Consultancy, I can be found on PIMS Consultancy, papayankeemikesierra.co.uk. So papayankeemikesierraconsultancy.co.uk. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you found it both interesting and useful please feel free to message us if you've got any questions that you'd like to ask or any requests for future interviewees or any particular aspects of MedTech that you'd like to know more about. We'd be happy to include them in future episodes. Our email address is info at pimsconsultancy.co.uk. That's info at papayankeemikesierraconsultancy.co.uk. Or you can find out more about this podcast by visiting pimsconsultancy.co.uk forward slash medtechpodcast. Until the next time, bye for now.